Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans. Hello and welcome to this preview issue of Red Side Le Trent, where we look ahead to the New Year's Day clash against Chelsea. So I'm here with Christian Brown with Adam Wicklow, and we have Chelsea season ticket holder David Cook with us today. So thank you for joining us, David. I uh, hope you're well. Yeah, yeah, no problem, guys. No problem. Uh, hope you're a bit more confident about this weekend's game than I am. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll soon get on to that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that um, there's some contrasting contrasting views there definitely so I mean we'll start with obviously you know, Chelsea and um, you know it's been a strange season so far I mean obviously Brian Potter is now in charge Thomas Tuchel was sacked um, you know, very shortly into Todd Bowley's new reign as Chelsea owner it's been a bit of a whirlwind um, from the outside what's it been like from the inside of the club as like a, a sort of from a fan perspective Oh, well, it's funny because I was actually saying on the way out of the Bournemouth game the other night that it feels like for pretty much just over a year now, I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've actually come away from a game feeling like that was a very joyous occasion and we actually really played anything like our top level. Because um, I th- I thought like the first nine or ten months of Thomas Tuchel were outstanding, the way that we won the Champions League, got into the top four, the way we started the next season, top of the table after a few months. Mm-hmm. And then... I feel like really from the moment Ben Chilwell got injured against Juventus, everything kind of since then, that was kind of late November last year, it feels like everything since then has slowly disintegrated. And we had a lot of injury problems after that. Then there was all the issue with the takeover and the sanctions that came in late March, early April time. And everything from then on the pitch really seemed to fall apart with Tuchel. And then you had a lot of new players coming in the summer, quite a few players that were out of contract as well, a few players that left. And then I wasn't really demanding the title at the start of this season because I thought that was a bit of a stretch, particularly given how good Man City and Liverpool have been these last few years. But um, I think it's been worse than probably most fans anticipated. I think some of the football we're playing at the moment is pretty uninspiring. Um, 
I think the Bournemouth game, we just about got through it, but um, probably quite fortunate that after East James went off and we lost all our shape, Bournemouth didn't really offer an awful lot going forward because I just don't think they're particularly strong Premier League opposition. And where we are at this point, um, if we can get the top four this season, I think that's a realistic aim because I look at teams like Man United and Tottenham and I don't really see why they should be so much stronger than us really at this point. Um, and then it, it's about really where you go from there. But do we get to the end goal of actually competing to win the title again? I think that could be some way off, sadly. Adam, mm. uh, my, I mean, we, we've we, you've touched on some issues I've got later for later on, David. But I just yeah. want to speak about Graham Potter because Christian mentioned just before you joined the the chat that you're very anti Potter and it might boil <laughs> your piss to talk about him. So it was absolutely <laughs> correct that we've got to talk about. I mean. From the, from the out from the outside as a as a forest supporter, when you look at you go that's a great move for Graham Potter. You look at his uh, where he's come from, where he was managing a university, then going off to Ostersunds and getting them up to to the top league in in Sweden, I believe it was beating Arsenal in the Champions League or Europa League. I can't remember which. Yeah, and then believe, coming yeah. over, then coming back over to to Swansea, then to Brighton, and then now to yourselves, but. When you actually look at his record, you go, well, "What has he won?" Especially going mm. to a massive club like Chelsea, it might be quite uninspiring. So I'm, I'm, I'd have thought that you would maybe tend to agree with that. How how have you found him coming so far? And and do, did you think it was the right choice? Would you have liked someone else? Did you think Tuchel was unfairly treated? Well, the Thomas Tuchel issue I thought was a very strange one because I still believe he's an elite coach, and I think wherever he goes to for his next job, I think he'll do very well there. I think there was a, a few issues in terms of, first of all, his personal life. I know that his marriage had a breakdown, I think, similarly to the time that all the sanctions came in. So I think his professional life and his personal life probably threw up quite a few issues. Then it sounded like he wasn't getting on too well with the new ownership, and that, well, particularly when the new owners suggested that he play a 4-4-3 formation. Um, I mean, that's bound to get any manager's back up. Um, and then he had quite a few new players to bed in, but I felt that something just didn't seem right with him and his demeanour. I thought particularly after we lost a pre-season friendly to Arsenal, which don't get me wrong, nobody wants to lose to Arsenal, but I felt like when he said we have the same issues because we have the same players and I, I felt that it, he his remarks at times didn't inspire too much confidence from some of the fans and then we st didn't start the season particularly well. We lost to Leeds, lost to Southampton, lost to, Z to Dinamo Zagreb. So when the sacking came, it wasn't really much of a shock. But then the problem we then had was who was really out there at the time. Mauricio Pochettino, I think, was available, but not really associated with winning the, the elite trophies, like Premier League's Champions Leagues. Zinedine Zidane may have been out there. I don't think there's really much hope that you could get someone like him, I think particularly with the France job possibly coming up at some point. And then you look at who else is out there and the cupboard was pretty bare. And I think it's nothing really against Graham Potter because I think he's done well for the levels he's been at. You know, you can't deny that he did a good job at Brighton. Same In the same way, really, that David Moyes, I think, did a good job at Everton. But once he stepped up that level to Manchester United, it was a very different issue for him. Um, so... It, you can't really blame him personally as well. You can't really blame somebody for taking a job that's offered to them and a chance to go and win trophies. I think the, the issue is that, for example, last season, I think he lost six games in a row at Brighton and nobody really focuses on it because mm. nobody really outside of Brighton is going to put that kind of pressure on you. When it's a club like Chelsea, I think the whole country is going to be focusing on it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we don't necessarily need a great manager to get top four because if the likes of Frank Lampard can do that and despite only having one year at Derby, um, I, I think you know you guys probably aren't really the biggest fans of Frank Lampard. I, I, I assume, but um, be yeah, yeah. yeah, managers like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well can get top four without really having much of a record before. I think that part of it could be doable. I think it's can you go to that next level and win the title, win a Champions League? That's the part that I'd be less than confident on. 
No, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, like, it's, it was interesting looking at Potter's record since he came in, because obviously he, he won his first four games and got a draw, didn't he? So he, it was like, you know, 13 points for possible 15 across all competitions um, when he first started. And like, you know, I think he got three clean sheets in that, those games as well, where obviously Chelsea had previously been leaking goals left, right and centre. But then obviously what the flip side of that, and this is true to what you said about, you know, Potter lost six games of Brighton in a row and knowing about Annihilates. Before the break closed, Chelsea were bottom of the form table without winning five, and everyone was sort of saying, "What the hell's going on?" So obviously that level of scrutiny is very much there, but it does seem a bit of an inconsistent sort of transition phase at the minute. And I guess yeah. for a club associated with winning, like Chelsea have been for the last twenty years, I mean, there's no gain away from it. I mean, the tro- trophies that have racked up over, over the last twenty years at Chelsea have been well beyond measure, yeah. really. Um, so I mean, do you even think that Potter can get like? FA Cup or something in the next like six months. I mean, really, like I mean, obviously speaking with you before, like the general the the path of the course for a Chelsea manager is top four in a trophy, give or take. Anything less than that is pretty much, you know, not very good given the resources available. Do you think Potter can even do that this season? Well, uh, I had some confidence we could win an win an FA Cup until we were drawn away to Man City in the third round. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You've got to play him a few times in the cup, haven't you? You got him in the Carabao as well. Yeah, we drew Man City away <laughs> in the third round of the League Cup and Man City away in the third round of the FA Cup. I've got a feeling somebody in charge of these draws doesn't like us very much at the moment. <laughs> um, it's probably the same person who's giving Man United home ties with Charlton and things like that. Oh, but, um, we, we discussed that as well. Yeah, it was the most typical yeah. United draw that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I, I guess I look at the examples of, say, Maurizio Sarri could win a Europa League. Mm. That kind of level of trophy. Again, I didn't think... I thought you could give Maurizio Sarri five, six years in charge. I never thought he was going to win us a title with the kind of football we were playing under. I mean, Avram Grant was very close to winning a Champions League, despite not really having the kind of CV that would suggest he's a top manager. I think you, you can go on cup runs. And like I said, Frank Lampard is the kind of manager who could get top four, despite the fact that I thought tactically he was nowhere near good enough to go on and compete at the very top level. Mm. Um, but, yeah... W- I mean, whoever took charge this season, I think it was going to be difficult um, because, like I said, Christensen and Rudiger were out of contract. Werner left the club. Lukaku wanted out of the club after one year, or at least the management wanted him out of the club after one year. Um, so I think there were going to be changes. And the midfield hasn't really been shaken up for three or four years. It's still really the primary midfield is Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic when they're all fit. And that was the same three or four years ago. So that that, that really needs freshening up. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see... I mean, I think also you've got the issue that the, the standard to win the Premier League is maybe as high as it's ever been when you look at the points tallies. I mean, I think what Man City yeah. do every year at the moment is incredible. What Liverpool have been doing for, well, two of the last three or four years has been incredible as well. So when you're up against the likes of Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, I mean, if Mikel Arteta can pull that title off this year, it would be one of the most impressive wins ever, I think, given who he's up against. Um they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's people use the example of Arteta and say, well, is that an example that you don't necessarily need an elite coach? And I, I think if he can pull that off, I may slide back a bit on my argument about managers who don't have that kind of CV. But then I would say there's still a long, long way to go before Arsenal can get that kind of accolade, I think. Mm. I want to touch on uh, the curse of the the striker role of the number nine, David. Um, Erling yeah. Haaland has scored more goals than Chelsea this season as of yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, but but it's it's okay. Charity FC are, are just around the corner for you. So, <laughs> um, but why why have Chelsea struggled for so long for an out and out strike? I mean, the last one you can kind of think of who scored 
a decent amount of goals was probably Diego Costa, would you not say? So scoring goals was an issue for Graham Potter at Brighton, and it seems like it's an issue again at Chelsea. I, I mean, I, I hope I bet you're wishing uh, Christian Kunku was coming in January rather than in the summer. To be honest, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like it's we may as well roll the dice again and see what happens really, when it comes to forwards because. You know, we've had a few players come over from the Bundesliga who've not necessarily been prolific. Um, I thought Tammy Abraham did a decent job for a while. I think he got about 15, 16 goals in Lampard's first season. But again, is he the kind of striker will win you a title? I'm not sure. Um, Giroud had his moments. I thought a decent backup player uh, came in and got us the goals to get us into the top four. Um, but there's been a few players like that. But in terms of actually, yeah, your player who will really make the difference and win you those big games and... and uh, really step up in the most important moments. I mean, the, I, you say about our, our goal tally, I think even the likes of Fulham and Brentford and Brighton are outscoring us at the moment. So at the moment, we've got to even just compete with teams like that, first of all, going forward. Um, not to mention the fact that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I mean, shows all the energy of myself the morning after seven or eight pints of Peroni. <laughs> at the moment. Um, particularly, I mean, when he came on against Bournemouth and jumped for a header, we said that he's already done more than he did in the whole 90 minutes against Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's something at least, but yeah, I I don't I think he was a stopgap particularly as well. I don't really see him being there beyond this season or the season after that really. Um, but yeah, I, I think Nkunku. I've heard lots of good things about him. His goal scoring record looks very good. Although we did say that about Werner. Mm. Um, so it's just a case of how well he deals with that step up really. No, it's a, it's a fair point. I mean, like it's very interesting. Like obviously, like, there's definitely that sort of like issue with a lot of prolific number nines going to Chelsea and not necessarily delivering. I mean. Most recent example being Lukaku. I mean, I I think the issue, thing with me with Potter with Bryson was that he didn't have the players to score the goals. Like, I mean, if you're relying on Neil Morpé or you know, with the greatest respect, at least sort of or Danny Welbeck, you know, they're fine for a mid-table team, but ultimately they're never going to let you go that next step because they just physically aren't good enough. Mm. Um, in theory, at Chelsea, that shouldn't be a problem once his system sets in and like once his styles, his um ideas come across. So I do wonder if he does get the time, but he will obviously that's. I mean, I think uh, Adam actually, funny enough, said in our pods uh, after the Man United game, the debrief, that uh, Bowley, I think, stuck with his baseball coach for like a long period of time. But obviously, football is very different. Uh, I don't necessarily. Do you think that, for example, if Chelsea started going through not such a bump, but a you know, bump for Chelsea, so say if Chelsea missed top four this season and started next season, particularly ropey, do you think Potter would even still be there? Um. Yeah, I think the minimum requirement for us has to be top four. Mm. Minimum. Only because I just look at who's around. Like I said, the title's very difficult when you look at teams like Man City and Liverpool. Albeit Liverpool had a bit of a dodgy start, but still at the start of the season, I think people had them in the shake-up with Manchester City. When I look at Manchester United, they've also got a new manager who is completely new to the Premier League, has stepped up from a level like Ajax. I think that's a big step up from the area Eredivisie. Mm. And they're going through a bit of a rebuild. Tottenham, I think, have a great manager and Antonio Conte, but don't necessarily have a great squad. So when I look at those two squads in particular, I don't really see why we shouldn't compete with them. Um, I guess the anomaly that you throw in there is Newcastle. But again, when you look at Newcastle's squad, is it particularly stronger than ours? I I, I wouldn't think it is, really, in most areas. Mm. I think maybe they've got a bit more than us going forward at the moment. But um, other than that... I guess, yeah, because I guess you use the example there of baseball. I guess the big difference with baseball is I think it's essentially one trophy that every team plays for every year and only one team can win it every year. Well, I suppose we're a little bit more fortunate in football. We've generally got four trophies to play for every year. Yeah. Um, so I think if you then don't win one for a year or two, I think it stands out a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
I think if, if we're in the Europa League as well, then you've got the next issue, the, what players can you then sign after that? Um, albeit we've dropped out of the Champions League before and got back in, but I think it could be a very, very long, bumpy road if that's the case. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Reese off the pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on, it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese, spelled R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at our old delivery service so if you do need anything moving give me a message and i'd be more than happy to help i wanted to touch on uh some injury issues you've had and obviously it's affecting personnel and formations probably and, and style of play david but mm-hmm. how tough has it been i mean reese james come back at the uh for for boxing day and, and unfortunately re- reoccurred his injury that that pulled him out of the World Cup, but how tough has it been without him, Ben Chilwell and N'Golo Kante for, for a large period of time? How has it affected Chelsea playing to their full capacity? Yeah, it's a huge issue. I think it's very strange because we were at the Bournemouth game the other night and even then, after Reese James went off injured, we seemed to completely lose our shape. Christian the... said that as well in our in our pod preview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like even like going forward down the right wing, look, we just seem to stop doing that. I mean, Sadly, Cesar Azpilicueta these days turns slower than the Titanic, so he's not really much of a replacement <laughs> for Faurice James anymore, as great a player as he's been for us. Um, so, and, and we're sitting there trying to work out how can you not cope at home to Bournemouth particularly well without your right back? It doesn't really seem to, to, to figure very much because I thought particularly we went on a good run when Potter first came. We were unbeaten, I think, for the first eight games or so and Reese James was playing really well. As soon as James got injured before, we seemed to completely lose our form. Um, I don't think Chilwell's been quite the same player since the start of the season anyway. I think it might take a bit more time for him to get back to the level he was showing just over a year ago. But um, And yeah, the problem with N'Golo Conte is we've come to accept that he, he is going to get injuries pretty much every season, it seems to be the case. I mean, there's a lot of debate over whether we should give him a new contract, given he's out of contract this season. I mean, my personal view on that is I'd rather a half-fit Conte or, or, you know, even if he's only fit for half the games, I'd rather have him for another year than most other midfielders. Or certainly I'd rather have him than any other team have him in their midfield. Um, but you know that that is why you build a squad. I think when you've just spent two hundred and fifty million pounds, you should really have the squad depth to be able to handle a couple of injuries, particularly if you're playing against opposition that more often than not you're expected to beat. Um, again, this might be a good reason why we're not quite good enough to go and compete with Man City. But do I think that's a reason to not really perform against teams like Brighton, like Brentford when we draw nil nil, like Bournemouth when we seem to lose our shape? I think. It isn't something I'd use as a complete excuse for our form, but yeah, it's certainly not helpful. That is interesting. I mean, we were sort of saying not similar, but we've sort of seen, obviously, as you can imagine, after the the inquest, the post mortem after the United game, like 
you know, obviously Forrest injury starting to sack with us now. You know, you've got Gibbs White out, Lingard's a big doubt for the Chelsea game. Yeah. You've got obviously Nia out, which means oh, he went out very early. Omar Richards hasn't played kicked the ball for us yet. And um obviously uh is out now. And like, you know, you see people say like, Oh, you spend like hundred fifty million pounds to like build a squad and you end up with a centre back pairing of Joe Warrell and Willie Bolly. It's like what the hell's gone wrong? And um <laughs> it's sort of like you know, it's quite interesting hearing that even teams at the top end of the table have the same issues, just on a completely different scale. But um, I guess, you know, it's an interesting. You know, how do you think Chelsea have been on the road this season? I mean, obviously, I know you were at the Brighton game, which was a bit of a humbling. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, pretty mildly. Um, but that aside, you know, I know it's probably intertwines very much with James. I mean, like, the main thing I said on our our preview section for the pod was that if if Chelsea have James Spear, we'll get fucking eviscerated. If he doesn't play, we might have half a chance. But do you think that's sort of tied in with your away form as well when the shape might necessarily be a little bit different to where it would be at home? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do think that. I mean, well, the problem with Brighton away particularly was, I mean, that that was a complete mystery when you're playing players like Sterling and Pulisic as your wing-backs. Um, <laughs> particularly when we went 2-0 down within 15 minutes and like... As, as much as you accept that obviously anybody in football knows a hell of a lot more than you do, but even everyone just in the away stand that they were just saying, why is why are we not changing this? Because Kukurea is getting absolutely killed down the left-hand side and we absolutely need to change this. And then the third goal goes in and then we changed it. Um, and it's just things like that that can, that can be quite frustrating. I think, I think with you guys though, particularly, because uh, I found it quite interesting with, with you talking about the stat the other day about the number of times that you've conceded a second goal quickly after the first one. And that's what makes me feel like in this game, particularly at the weekend, I think if we can score early, that would be the key thing. But I think if you take away the threat that we have down the right-hand side and then we're just passing the ball around, which I think we will do in that game for the first half an hour, 45 minutes, I think we could get frustrated. Um, and that's that's when there's the big issue. Because a lot of the time, where is the killer pass going to come from? We, ha- I think we've never really replaced Sesh Fabregas in midfield. We've never really brought in a midfielder that can unlock defences in that same way. Um, so... You know, I think particularly, like I said, when taking out Reese James, I'm trying to really see where much of our attacking threat is going to come from because we have a lot of players who kind of come into the side, come out again, and never really assert themselves on games. Um, so I think if you guys particularly can frustrate us for that first half, I'd be quite worried. It is interesting you say that because I reckon that's exactly what it's going to be like. I reckon we'll set up exactly like we did against Liverpool at home. So you'll see like a solid bank of 4 3 3 which will shift a 4-5-1 out of possession. And it was just be a case of Chelsea just keeping the ball and trying to get through, which is, I wonder at that point, maybe someone like, maybe like Loftus-Cheek or Conor Gallagher tries to come on and change the game or even starts. But um, that that's how I see the game going personally. So it's, it's interesting you think mm-hmm. that could be an issue because... Yeah, yeah. Your, home form, your home form worries me though when I was looking. I think, is it five games unbeaten at home or something like that? Yeah, five unbeaten now. Yeah, I think was it we've won the last three, is it? Was it Palace, Spurs and... No, we drew to Brentford. We should have beaten. I drew. Them. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. We were mobbed. Uh, what's it? Uh, robbed by VAR. Brentford. Yeah. <laughs> well, one, oh, one, of this, course, yeah. one of the six official wrong decisions that VAR made this season, which inevitably cost us two points. Yeah. But um, I guess so. I mean, you sort of touched upon there about how you sort of like sort of wait flat killer ball through. I mean, is it, that's obviously the sense of style and formation you're set up with. But I mean, who would you say? would be the standout player that you've had so far this season. Because, I mean, even some of the summer signings that have come in, like Raheem Sterling, for example, started off very briefly and like very well and then sort of like petered out a bit somewhat. Like, I can't really think, like, obviously, like I said, Aubameyang's been a bit of a joke, really. So, who would you say identify from the current Chelsea team that's been 
fit regularly, uh, has been the standout player so far? Oh, yeah, I mean, well, it has to have been fit regularly because I suppose if it's anybody, it has to be James. Mm. But um, in terms of actually who's been fit regularly, I think that's that's a really difficult one. You may even have to say Kepper. Like that's probably how. Yeah. Um. I, well, I suppose Thiago Silva, I think, is usually a fairly solid performer. But I think, yeah, pretty much all of those new signings as well. I'd say, are they playing as well for us as what they were for the club we signed them from? Um. Koulibaly had a good couple of first games, but I think he's been found wanting, I think, because the Premier League's much faster than Syria. Mm. Um, Raheem Sterling, yeah, I think it's probably gone to show that he probably benefited from playing in such an attack-minded team at Man City with the number of chances he, he would have playing for them, and that probably led to more goals, but it's mm-hmm. not quite been the same for us. Um, Aubameyang, I think, has been really poor. Really poor. I think it's one goal in the league and a couple of goals in cups, but generally not really had much of an influence. Kukurea, I mean, pretty much everyone who watched him last season at Brighton thought that's a guy who's destined to play at the top end of the Premier League. Um, he looked really strong in the two games against us in particular. I, thought, I was quite excited about signing him. Again, looks good the first couple of games, but really been shocking since then. Um, and then probably the only one who's actually not disappointed, weirdly, is a guy called Dennis Zakaria, who actually did quite well when he came in against uh, Dinamo Zagreb against Bournemouth. So um, when your best signing turns out to be a loan signing from Juventus, who was barely getting a game for them, it's probably a little bit worrying. Hmm. I was just going to ask you as well, obviously leading to the game, I don't know how much you've managed to watch Forest this season, David, obviously hmm. being, a, being a Chelsea season to count, it's probably quite difficult. But where where do you think Forest can can hurt Chelsea and, and get, get something out of the game in, in terms of that aspect? Well, I do think that with, with you saying that Gibbs White is out injured, I think that could be... That could make it quite in because, like I said, I think our right-hand side is what will be most vulnerable. Um, mm. We've never really signed a, a, a competent backup player for Reese James when he is injured. Um, you know, I don't think Azpilicueta's really got the legs to be a wing-back anymore. Um, hudson Adoy occasionally played at wing-back. He's gone out on loan now. I mean, who's likely to play on the left if he's not playing? Would it be Lingard? It depends or, on Lingard's fit. Possibly I mean, Dennis. Dennis. Yeah, it could be Dennis. It could be Lingard. It could be... Don't know if Scarpa will be able to play. the 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 the, yeah. the 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 main the main answer has been no by by the looks of it from what I've seen. But then I've mm. seen a lot of yeah, it's been fifty fifty on Scarpa whether he can play or not. Oh yeah, so Dave obviously Forrest <clears> signed <throat> someone called Gustavo Scarpa from the um, Brazilian league. Okay, um, signing number twenty three or whatever it is. I know it's easy to lose track from another band. But yeah, he can't start till the first of January, so there is some conjecture as whether he can play in the Chelsea game or not. But um, I imagine it would be Dennis. I think, I mean, if Lingard can't play, I mean, Lingard came off apparently like more of a precaution, but he was holding his hamstring. It was heavily strapped anyway. So I think he won't be playing against Chelsea. So you'd think surely Dennis out on the left. So, but I mean, one of his qualities is being like, you know, he's a fast player. He will try and take people on Dennis. It's just when he has to pull in his own half, as we found out against Man United, it's a slight issue. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, I think I said to you, Chris, a few weeks back, I really kind of admire how Steve Cooper has tried to adapt as a manager this season mm. in the sense that I think there there was a lot of worry about, particularly after that Leicester game, wasn't it, when all the reports about Benitez came out. I, th- I think you were quite panicky at that point. Yeah. Um, but I like how he's just said, OK, to hell with this. We're going to get some men behind the ball and we're going to stop <laughs> leaking as many goals. I think obviously the away form has still been a bit of an issue for you, hasn't it? But um, I think yeah, particularly... Yeah, problem, this, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think there's something about the city ground, though, I think particularly at the moment, obviously because you're playing a lot of teams at the city ground who you haven't played there for a while. So there's a lot of excitement in certain games. And I think that home crowd sounds particularly loud. I think it will be in this game as well, particularly if you start well. 
Um, it, it's it's one of those away grounds. I just don't think anyone's really going to enjoy going there. Really, um, I think it's like you said that Liverpool game. I wouldn't be surprised if you take a similar approach to this one. It all would just be about whether you can catch us on the counter attack, really. Um, but I, yeah. I, at this point, I I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if you beat us with the way we're playing at the moment because I just don't think we're playing with any great energy. Cross fingers it, for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's we very interesting. You know, I, 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 what worries me is like you, know, you look at the United game, the space that we were leaving behind. So I just think that a team, like, if you look at, or well, more going by the, the way Potter's teams have played at Brighton over the last few years, but if you give them that space, they, you know, that's like giving an inch, they'll take a mile. And that's what United did. So didn't, United didn't have to particularly try, play particularly well to beat us. They just exploit the gaps. And my worry is that Chelsea will do exactly the same thing. Um, because obviously with the home crowd urging Forest forward at times, they will be a bit more likely perhaps to sort of, you know, try and be, be on the front foot a little bit more. And I think that could hurt us. But it's it's going to be an interesting one. I think I think the Liverpool blueprint is, you know, that has to be the, the go-to, I think, because that we did were, work because, you know, we got countered very well in that game. So, we went forward quite a lot in that game, to be fair. We did, yeah, but we... we <laughs> We took, we because we got the ball and like Matt had the opportunity to do so. Whereas, um, yeah, obviously against United is a different story. But yeah, we'll have to see. But I mean, if we can get a uh, prediction, a lineup prediction, a score from you, Dave, and then I have a very quick little fun quiz for you afterwards. Okay, okay, no pressure. Um, so sorry, just prediction of the score. Yeah, and if you can give it like a theme lineup that you might think will play. Oh, lineup! I think will play probably Kepper in goal. Um, I think if James isn't playing, it has to be a back four rather than a mm. back three with with wing backs. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if it's Azpilicueta, uh, Silva, and then Koulibaly or Chalaba, one of those two. Um, left back, probably still Kukurea, sadly. Um, and then what, midfield three, probably going Jorginho. Uh, maybe Kovacic comes back in. He's been given a bit of a rest after the World Cup. Um, although I might, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Zachariah start again because he had quite a good game the other night. Uh, maybe, maybe those three as a midfield three, and then I could maybe see a front three of Mount Sterling and then one of Havertz or Aubameyang. So I think this is the kind of game for Mason Mount as well because it always seems to be teams in kind of the bottom half of the Premier League seem to be his forte. <laughs> I think I think most of his goals come against teams around that kind of level. But um, right. My only hope for Mason Mount is I've watched him twice against us and that was for Derby and he was abysmal in both games. But that's... Yeah. Like, touch, touch some wood. Uh, that continues <laughs> yeah. that form. He I reckon he'll get a good reception, won't he? Yeah, he, he can expect a very pleasant reception, I'm sure. <laughs> for, yeah. Um, and your score, please, David. My score. Uh, I think either 1-1 or 1-0 Forest. I'll take both of those. Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snap your hand off right now. Um, yeah. But, um, no, I might take the one nil to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it'll be a very different Chelsea team to last one that last came to City Ground back in 1999, where they won three one. Yeah. So, Dave, your little quizzes: Can you name the team you played and the goal scorers from that day? Oh, what? What our starting eleven from that day? Yeah. Well, the goal scorers. I I know this. I think it was Forcell. Yep. Our first one, and Bjarni Goldbeck got the other two. You're correct. Yeah. So. Um, so Forsell and Goldbeck must be two of the starting eleven. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, Ed De Hoy in goal. De Hoy in goal. Yep. And then oh, I think right back would it have been Petrescu? Uh, Petrescu did play, but he, I don't think right. he's at right back. But he did right play. midfield maybe. Mm. Um, so 
I don't think who else could have been. Oh, this Albert Frey. This sounds back. like a Chelsea team when they were likable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Albert Ferrer did play. Yep. Uh, Leberth. Yep. Desai. Yep. Babiaro. Babiaro did play. Yeah. Wow. Nearly all of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, one of the best goal celebrations I've ever seen was his, uh, <laughs> his back flips. Um, and then midfield, you think Petrescu said on the right. Wise. Mm-hmm. No, no wise. No, no wise. wise. Or no Wise or Dimitao? Oh, no. Morris? Morris did play, yep. So you got two more to get. Uh, Poyet? Nope. Zola? Zola is correct, yeah. One more to go. And then Flo? No, it's, it's a defender slash... I've never heard of this player, actually. I won't lie to you. Um, It's a French bloke. I'll give you a clue. He plays as centre-back. I, I wonder, was it Bernard Lambord? You are correct with Bernard yeah, Lambert. I've never yeah. heard of him before. I saw that. Lever, I yeah. struggle a bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, that, that no, yeah, he's team that won that day. He's basically just remembered for scoring a winning goal against Tottenham. He didn't really do much else, but it's one of those you write yourself into folklore if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and perfect. And just before uh, we wrap up, obviously, if you want people to follow Forest fans to look at your Twitter, is it at DMA Cook? Is that right? Uh, yeah, although it should come with the disclaimer, I'm not always this miserable. It's just the last <laughs> few months. Um, uh, yeah, at DMA Cook is is my Twitter. But um, yeah, it's uh, I, I would I wouldn't rececommend it if you're an Arsenal or Tottenham or Liverpool fan or 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 much of a Tory voter these days. That's all. I'd basically say. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Dave. Much appreciated. And yeah, I hope it's a good game on New Year's Day. No, yeah, my pleasure, guys. Enjoy the game. Cheers, cheers. Just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast. This is something that we all share, and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well, is that a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter, um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling... Um, by all means, message the pod, and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter, you know, use the forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's... Um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You in? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.